0: Good morning, my name is Jeremy, I'm one of the pastors here at Midland Free, delighted to have you worshiping with us today. Uh, Let's go ahead and pray and then we'll start. Father, we are thankful that uh, you are so good and gracious to us, that you do all things well, that you bring your people and you bring your people peace. We thank you for uh, the blood of the Son, the work of the Spirit and the control and sovereignty of the Father. May all of those three things be active and at work in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the second half, and that is a section that covers the topic of the Lord's Supper. And if you're like me, or perhaps many Westerners, you think of the Lord's Supper and immediately the iconic image of of Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper flashes in your mind. And you see Christ seated at the table and all of his deci- or his 12 disciples there around him. And you see a nice orderly scene where everyone's sitting at white tablecloths about to eat dinner. <clears throat> but when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, what's going on is actually quite a different scene. Instead... It is a raucous party. These people have thrown all caution to the wind and engaged in complete and total drunkenness and debauchery. And this is now the celebration that they are calling the Lord's Supper. So what I want to do today is I want to look at it just like we do all text, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to read it. And then I want to explain something to you that I think may be a little bit different than the usual interpretation of the Lord's Supper. But I'll give you my reasons for that and walk you through it. And I'm trusting that the Spirit will work and it will make perfect sense by the time we're done. Basically, the admonition that the Apostle Paul is giving the people in Corinth today is this. He's saying, watch out. Watch out. Examine yourselves before you take partake of this meal. So if you have your Bibles, then I would invite you to turn to the 11th chapter, if you haven't already, of the book of 1 Corinthians. If you're using one of our Bibles, you're most welcome to. It's on page um, 1218 in one of the blue Bibles. And we're going to go ahead and read through these uh, verses, and then we will continue on. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Beginning in verse 17, it says this. <clears throat> but in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for of course, there must be divisions among or factions among you in order that those who are genuine may be recognized. Now, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat for in eating. Each one of you goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What do you not have your own houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? no. Most certainly I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you drink this bread and drink the or eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the lord let a person examine himself then to so eat the bread and drink the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That, by the way, is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, here's two commands. Number one, wait. Stop, hold on, wait for one another. And if anyone is hungry, let him therefore eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Now, about the rest of the stuff, I'll tell you when I get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the word of the Lord. And I believe in the word of the Lord, the truth of it, the power of the Spirit, and the prayers of the people. So let's take a look at it this morning. Um, One of the things I want to confess to you right out. Uh, get-go, is that many times in the past, I, as a result of studying this text, have just realized that I've preached it wrong. This text is a very common text, and it's one that um, we use, particularly preachers and other Bible communicators, to get you to look inside yourself. Because there's this command right off the start that says, examine yourself. Now what's happened is a lot of us, as individualistic North Americans, we get this thing and we think, "Aha! Examine myself. It's a, it's all about me. It's about me and God and my relationship with Him, and never mind everybody else. It's me and God. So it's just me and God right now. So we examine ourselves. We close our eyes. We bow." We listen to the pretty music and we think about our relationship with God. And this is how we preach it. And we say, hey, this is what you got to do. Examine yourself. Look inside yourself. See if there's anything wrong right now. Examine yourself and make sure your relationship with God is right before you take this. Otherwise, you might get sick and die. Well, what does that do to the blood of Christ? <laughs> it plays it down quite a bit, I think. And In reality, what happens in this text is the apostle is saying that It's not about the you and your relationship with God, but instead it's more about you and your relationship with the church. The examine yourself in particular in this passage has to do with not your vertical relationship, but instead your horizontal ones. When it comes to your vertical relationship, Jesus has basically said, hey, I got that one covered. You're good. I died on the cross, I rose from the grave. If you're believing in me as your personal Savior, my blood covers you. So let's not spend all our time worried about that because I'm perfect, you're not. If there's a problem, I'll let you know. But you need to figure it out with your brothers and sisters before you come and partake of this meal. So this text, and I I will walk you through it and demonstrate it to you from the text, is actually far more about your relationship with one another and it is your relationship with God. But in that, you actually demonstrate your relationship with God. So let me show you how this works then. There's this word play in the text on the word body. Last week, this is kind of the key to understanding this, is last week we looked at the wordplay on the word head. And what we saw was that the apostle was using several different heads... To communicate his argument. So, for example, he talked about the Trinity in in Ephesians. And he's saying, look, God the Father is head of the Trinity. Then there's God the Son and God the Spirit. And they function in this way. There's a headship going on there. And then he says, look at yourself physically. So that's a spiritual thing, right? Then he says, look at yourself physically. You have a physical head. It is what leads and guides and directs the body. Then he says, look at the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He leads and directs the church. And then he says, now look at your families and look at your homes. The husband should be the head of the wife in a similar way. So there's the spiritual, there's the physical, there's the metaphorical, there's the practical. And all of these play on words, these different headships, is what Paul is bringing into the text to demonstrate and make his point. In the same exact way, so too is the apostle using the word body. Okay? So throughout this text, when you come to the word body, don't just think my body. And don't just think Christ's body. But there are multiple bodies going on here. There is your body. There's Christ's body. There's the church body. And there is the bread, the metaphorical body as well. So let me show you a little slide here. And this is, this is what I'm talking about When you come to this text, now I did it in in sort of, um, I would say chronological, basically based on the verses order. So verse 22, 24, 27, and then 29 and 31. But I'll expound them in a little different order. But here's how it works. Look, the first body we come to, when you look at this text, is in verse 22. So if you have your Bibles, you'll see that there. And he says, or do you despise the church of God? That is the body, okay? I'll explain that here in a minute. That is, the church is the body of Christ. Okay, and then secondly, in verse 24, you'll look and what you will see is that um, we are now referring to the bread which is served at the Lord's Supper. Now, let me give you just a little bit of historical, cultural insight onto the bread. You know, we talk about Jesus broke the bread and we envision that and we think, okay, that's a nice leavened loaf and he broke it. But this feast is happening at the time of the Passover, which would have been unleavened bread. Okay. So it would have been more like a cracker or matzah bread. And when he broke it, he really broke it like a pretzel. I mean, snap, it broke and then he distributed it. But he's not, he, he's not doing that because his bones were broken. Instead, the Psalm makes very clear that none of his bones were broken. John the apostle reaffirms it, and uh, so what this is doing is actually it's in the KJV that says broken. If you look at the other translations, I don't think they use the word broken. It's an it's a um, it's it's a earlier manuscript, not an older one that says that. So, anyways, that aside, this is what's going on: is Jesus is distributing the elements, okay, and he's saying. This is my body. This is what I'm giving for you. Now, that is the right word. That's the original word is given. That's the same one that Luke uses. And it's actually a play on words as well because um, Judas gives over Jesus. And in the, so in the same verse, the apostle is saying, look, just like I was given over now, or Jesus is saying, like I was given over, so too is this bread given over for you. So the bread is given over. Now, what, That's whoa, why did he just say all that? Look, there are four different his, um, views that are hotly debated within the church. That, and those views are different views of the Lord's Supper. What is this bread? Is this bread actually the physical body of Jesus? Or is it just a cracker that we got at Walmart that represents Jesus' body? Okay. And what happens is they have big theological terms Transubstantiation believes that it's the actual physical DNA, flesh and blood of Jesus. When it hits your tongue, it becomes that. Consubstantiation believes that it is um, not actually physical, but in some sense a very spiritual presence that it becomes when it hits your tongue. And then there is sort of a more spiritual view, and then there's the symbolic view. And the view I take is somewhere between the spiritual and the symbolic. And... The reason I say that is because, okay, so those are the four views people argue about. Now, what happens is, when you interpret a biblical text, the right way to do so, the first question to ask is, what did it mean to the original audience? What did they understand the actual author or the speaker to be saying? Because basically, that's what it means. A text can never mean something it never meant. You know, you can't just assign your own arbitrary meaning to it. And so in order to understand what it actually means, you say, what does this mean to the original audience? That's why context and historical background and all this stuff is valuable, because it gives us the real meaning. And then we say, well, how then does that apply to us today? Okay, so when it comes to the bread, when it comes to deciphering your view, you ask yourself the questions, what did Jesus's original audience think he meant? when he held up those uh, matzah crackers, if you will, and said to them, this is my body, did they think, did any of the apostles in that room think that that was Jesus' actual body? I think the clear answer is no. They obviously understood that he was speaking metaphorically or symbolically. They saw his physical body in front of them. They knew that that was an example. And what he was doing then was transferring or transitioning from this meal of the Passover, this feast, and now transferring it to a New Testament or a New Covenant context in which it will take on a whole new additional meaning. So that, that's as a non-controversial and diplomatic and academic way of saying, basically, I think this is a symbol and not the actual physical DNA of Jesus. And you look at that and then you say, Okay, verse 24, when it talks about this is my body, here is another use of the word body. And this word for body is in the metaphorical sense. So we have the spiritual sense, which is the church, in, the first, in verse 22. Then we have the metaphorical sense in verse 24. Now we will have the physical sense in verse 27. Jesus' actual body and blood. He says, let a person, uh, let's see here, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup, that is the metaphorical body of Jesus, um, in an unworthy of manner will be actually guilty of the physical body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have the spiritual, the metaphorical, and the physical. And then finally, it comes back around again to the spiritual body, which is the church. Um, so in other words, Here's my joke of the day. It's not that funny, but you can laugh just for fun. (laughs) All right? You have the spiritual loaf, which sandwiches the others in between, right? So, okay, got it. Two slices of bread, right? Okay. I got half a chuckle. Thank you very much. All right? So, the church, and then in between it, the meat and cheese, is the um, metaphorical bread and then the actual body of Jesus followed again by the church. So you go church, you go Lord's Supper, and you go Jesus' physical body, then back to the church again. Now, why is that important? Well, you don't want to die, right? Right, okay. So what does it mean when it says examine yourself, discern the body? Verse 28, uh, look at verse 29 and following. Um, It says, for anyone who eats And drinks without discerning the body. Eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So the question then becomes is what are you talking about? Discern the body. Which body is this? Well the following verse, because this is, because Paul is trained as a rabbi. He uses parallelism here. The next verses are going to explain to you exactly what that body is. Verse 31 it says, but if we judge what? Ourselves. That is the body, the broader body of Christ. If we judge amongst ourselves, we would not be judged. So, in other words, what Paul is saying here is I want you to discern the body, I want you to judge amongst yourselves. Now, what in the world does that mean? Let me explain. Um, The Lord's Supper, I believe, is a symbol. Well, Pastor David got up here this morning and he had this ribbon on his chest. And immediately, my first question was, What is that? Because obviously, it represents something. It's trying to communicate something. And I notice it and it stands out very distinctly. And he says, Okay, this is what this stands for it is a symbol. In the same way, so too is the Lord's Supper. It is a symbol. You can think of a lot of other symbols. For example, the symbol of the flag of the United States of America. This represents um, the ideas and values of the United States having come together from 13 colonies forming what they are now. Here we are, the United States on one uh, flag. In the same way, you could say the Capitol building represents the United States. If you travel abroad, you say the Egypts represent pyramids. The Eiffel Tower to what? Paris, right? The Tower of London to London. Buckingham Palace, Taj Mahal. All of these other things have very specific symbolic or iconic means. You see these things and you think, ah, this represents that. And what would happen then... If I were to burn a flag, I would be defacing that symbol. I would be sending a message that I do not appreciate the leadership, the government, or the institution, one or the other. If you attack or try to knock down the Eiffel Tower, you have gone after France. If you attack the pyramids, you've gone after Egypt. It is a symbolic representation. Well, so too is the Lord's Supper. And what's happening here is the Apostle is saying, when you guys come together and you're just making a mess of this whole thing, you are insulting the real thing itself. Because the way in which you treat the symbol represents how you feel about the thing itself. So when you come drunk, or when you come ready to party, or when you're not paying attention to what you're doing... You're insulting Jesus' actual blood. So, the Lord's Supper is a symbol. Now, in a similar way, the church is also a symbol. It is, so the Lord's Supper metaphorically represents Christ's body. Now, in a similar way, the church spiritually, not metaphorically, but spiritually represents Christ's body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says it like this. It says, you are... The body of Christ. You are individual members of it. As a result, the church now serves as Jesus's physical or spiritual extension here on earth. So we are in a sense his hands and his feet. His physical presence has been removed, but he is represented through us. We are his ambassadors, Throughout the land, we are to embody his kingship and his rule. As a result, we as a church are the body, you could say, of Christ. So what happens then is if when we come to this text and it says discern the body, I believe at that point it is saying discern amongst yourselves. In other words, this is not a time where you come and you say How is my relationship with God? Instead, this is a time where you say, How is my relationship with my brothers and sisters? That is what it means to discern the body. Because the body is, the body being referred to here, is the body of Christ. So examine yourselves. What does that mean? Discern the body. Judge amongst yourselves. See how you're doing. Because with regard to your relationship with God, it's very, very simple. If you messed up, you say, sorry, he takes care of it. But your relationship with others, well, that's tricky. That means you may have to stop doing what you're doing. Put it down. Go have an extended discussion. Work things out. Maybe even get counseling or get some help from the outside or whatever. But you need to work that out. Discern amongst yourselves. Discern the body. How you relate to the symbol demonstrates how you relate to the thing itself. In other words, how you relate to the church demonstrates how you relate to Jesus. This is one of the reasons it's so important to be involved in your local church. Look, there's people in our society that say, well, I, you know, I really love Jesus, but I couldn't care less for the church. And that's completely anti-biblical because Christ says the church is me. The church is my body. Metaphorically speaking, that's who I am, and so how you treat her is how you treat me. How are you treating Christ? Well, how are you treating the church? How are you doing amongst your brothers and sisters? It's not all about you and your relationship with God, but it's also about you and your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. How you relate to the symbol indicates how you feel about the thing. So if I burn the flag, that means I hate the United States of the government. I hate the the king or the president. If I come and I scorn my brothers and sisters in Christ, then it means that's how I feel about Christ as well. That is why the apostle then in this passage wants them to examine themselves. He says, examine yourselves, discern when you come to the body. I want you to ask yourselves these questions. Are you all in? Or are you indifferent? Are you all in or are you indifferent? Are you here to build up the church or tear it down? Are you a patriot or are you an adversary? How do you relate to the body? We as Americans, we're bothered by people who are indifferent, right? We call them freeloaders. We say, hey, they're just here to mooch and sponge and they're not actually contributing. Man, that is just, ugh. we feel bad about that. So too if we are attacked from the outside. We say, whoa, this person is our adversary. They may not have attacked me, but man, they knocked something down that I really care about. I have a problem with that. They are an adversary. So too if someone tries to tear us down instead of build us up. Look, the same is true for the church. When you come, there is no indifference. Jesus says, this is my body. How are you towards her? It's special to him. It's special. It's special. This last week, there was a uh, diamond sale. The only reason I know about it is not because I was in the market, but because I saw it come across the New York Times. And um, scientists and lady scientists alike will appreciate this. It was a 100-carat diamond, okay? So that diamond is about as big as the palm of my hand, and it had zero nitrogen in it, Whatsoever. In other words, it was completely flawless, totally perfect. You could see through it like glass. It was on sale for somewhere between 18 and 25 million, and it sold uh, for right in between there. Uh, and as a result, what happens is this person owns this thing that they gave a tremendous amount of money for, and now the auctioneer will say that's a good investment for you billionaires because you can store a huge amount of wealth. In a small little thing. Okay? Well, so too, I would say, is the Lord's Supper. What happens is when Jesus talks about his body, he says of his spiritual body, he gave his physical body. And as a result, he paid a tremendous price for it. And now it is very valuable and very special to him. And so when you come to take part of the metaphorical body, you need to be very careful about how you treat the spiritual body because if you insult the spiritual body while taking part of the metaphorical body, you have profaned his physical body. Does that make sense? This is how it works. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is intentionally playing... On the word body. And he wants you to understand it's going on in a number of different ways. But when you come to take the Lord's Supper, the call is to examine yourself. Not how do I relate to God. But instead, how do I relate to the church. Because how you relate to the symbol indicates how you feel about the thing itself. This is very important. Very special to Christ. If you've ever seen children, if you've been a child, you probably remember there is that special blanket, that special toy, that special something, right? For whatever reason, it's special to them. They have an emotional, heartfelt attachment to it. So too with Christ and His church. You are special to Him. He paid a tremendous price for you. He cares about it very deeply. And so when we come and we say we're going to worship Him, we must be extremely careful with that which He loves. Jesus loves the church. Here's the point of this whole sermon. You'll see it should be very simple. After i explained all the metaphorical, the spiritual, the physical, and everything else, here's the point. Jesus loves the church. He really loves it. It's super-duper-duper special to Him. And as a result, you should too. And so when you come to the Lord's Supper, that's the question you need to ask when you examine yourself, is how am I with the church? Am I all in? Or am I just here for my own benefit? Have I come to build her up, or do I come to tear her down? How do I feel about my brothers and sisters in Christ? Discern the body. Examine yourselves. Treat the spiritual body well when you take the metaphorical body so that you honor the physical body. Amen? Amen. Father, we're so thankful for your willingness to sacrifice your son on our behalf. And Lord, uh, that's an amazing thing that you would give so much. We praise you and thank you for that, Lord, and we pray that as we come to it now, you would cause us to examine ourselves. Not just our own personal relationship with you, Lord, but our relationship with one another. Thank you for your body that you gave. Thank you for your body, the church. And thank you for your body, the Lord's Supper. For all these things we bless, praise, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy and uh again